Welcome to Forward Progress on this Monday, October 9th, post-week five. We've got an action-packed show. We'll be breaking down some takeaways of the week that was. Look forward to this week's lines and early market moves, as well as impactful injuries we'll be keeping our eyes on, as well as previewing the Monday Night Football game. If you're not already, you should really subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you don't miss any of the content. Also, smash the like button. Boost us up in the algorithm. Of course, none of this will be possible without our sponsor, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book and available to betters in Ontario. Find out what the pros have known for the last 25 years. Competitive odds, your trusted sports book, bet smart, bet Pinnacle. With that being said, I'm your host, George Sofidis, and I'm excited to get this show on the road. I'm joined every Monday, of course, by uh, Suma, pro sports better, creator on the Hammer Betting Network. And Cleve TA plus EV better, cleveanalytics.com. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. I want to start off right away with the Sunday night football game. Uh, unless you uh, bet on the Cowboys, it was quite a result uh, for anybody watching yesterday. The Niners beat them up 42 to 10. Um, Cleve, I want to start with you. Last week, I asked you after Buffalo had won against Miami in impressive fashion. If you were ready to make them the number one power rated team above KC, well, I'm going to ask you again, but this time with San Francisco, uh, are you ready to call them the best team in football? Or are you still holding out that Kansas City is the best? No, you have to give it to the Niners at this point. This everything they've done, everybody in front of every challenge they they've beaten and and you know demolished, and the fact that they're only lost in the last you know since Purdy's taken over was the uh, NFC championship game when he got hurt uh, early in that game, it's like they, they haven't lost anybody yet with him under center. So you can't really do anything other than crown them right now as the, as the best team in the NFL. And, you know, we are already seeing, you know, in this, in this game coming up against the Browns and there's other factors involved, but you know, they've gone from, I think they were two and a half before this week and they flew all the way through uh, the three to four and a half, five, that's uh, right now. So they're getting uh, all the love in the market, and deservedly so. All right, Suma, I ask you the same question. Are the Niners the best team? And also, everyone's trying to figure out if Brock Purdy is a product of the system or if he's just that damn good. I want your answer to both those questions. Getting some tour discussion vibes from like week two or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think right now um, the title belongs to the 49ers. Um Chiefs, they will figure things out on offense. I mean, when you look at true efficiency numbers, the Chiefs are up there at the top. It just feels a little bit harder for, for them right now. They are still fig figuring out uh, who's wide receiver, uh, the go-to guy on, on like certain key downs and stuff like that. But I think the Chiefs will be fine right now. I think top to bottom, 49ers probably the best team in the league. Um, Brock Purdy... Um, I think he's evolving. So I think what we sometimes miss or forget is that two things can be true. A, he's working very well within the scheme and within the confines of the offense. And B, he's also evolving as a player. And sometimes we are very fast to, okay, Brock Purdy is uh, the gift of playing in the Shanahan system with so many great playmakers, but... He's also really evolving in terms of um, making crucial plays with anticipation down the field and making big pay, big plays. And I think uh, we are really starting to see the difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo, where he really is capable of 
making more throws down the field and showing off more ab uh, more athletic ability than uh, Jimmy G. I think perfect example was the sequence in, in early in the third quarter, quarter, which in my opinion broke the Cowboys yesterday. And um, he was completing a big play down the field to Brandon Ayuk, I think for like 30, 35 yards or something. And um, the refs called a holding on San Francisco. And now everything was um, uh, erased and they had to start again at, I think, third and 15. And he just casually drops a bomb to Debo Samuel. I, I think it was a, a dig or a in route, just casually over a linebacker in the middle of the field. Boom, first down, and they scored a touchdown on the drive. I, I, I think that these are the kind of plays where you can really see how Brock Purdy in his second year, still a small sample size, is really evolving and is probably making a little bit of ground towards that um, label of being a product of the offense. Well, I'll tell you, if they do what they did uh, last week to Cleveland defense this week, the discourse is going to be out of control next week. Cleve, I want to ask you about Dallas. We often talked about the big three in the NFC being San Fran, Philly, and Dallas. Do you think Dallas still deserves to be in that conversation, or, or are they a step behind San Fran and Philly? Yeah, I mean, they're a step behind San Fran, that's for sure. I think they can compete with Philly. We'll see. But, you know, it's one of those things where you know, San Fran's just on a different level right now. And, look, they, they had a night game. It was at home. They had all the – you know, everything kind of go their way. So, uh, not that I would favor uh, Dallas over San Fran, even if it was in Dallas. But, you know, well, you know, I, I still think that they are a notch below. But, you know, they're in that grouping and maybe the bottom bottom of that grouping. But I still think they're before – they're ahead of Detroit – they're ahead of Seattle. Like, I, I think people are saying that they're in that tier. I'm not sure I agree. I would take uh, Dallas on a neutral, you know, laying points over all those teams. So, you know, it's it's the big three, and it's just kind of Dallas uh, with a small dot at the bottom of the three, in, in my opinion. All right, let's go to Bills and Jags. Uh, game started off in London. Cleve, I want to start with you. Yeah. Uh, Matt Milano goes down, and you've often talked about in the past how important he is to this Buffalo defense. Well, how impactful is that injury for them? Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, he does a great job covering the middle of the field, covering tight ends and running backs. You know, they are consistently at the top of the of the league in terms of, um, you know, closing down the middle of the field. I mean, right now, heading into last week, they were third, uh, had the third best defense in terms of EPA allowed over the middle of the field, which is what he, obviously, that's his kind of uh, strong suit. So it's a big deal. I mean, when you've got, you know, the guys like Travis Kelsey, et cetera, you know, who are playing tight end and uh, that Buffalo is going to have to face here, you know, that, that's going to matter. And so, and he's the captain of that defense and guys like, you know, Foyer and, and Hyde are getting a little older and, um, you know, White is out. Like he was, you know, he was the key after that front four. So it's going to be a big loss. And, you know, I'm not sure who's going to, you know, be able to replace him, but uh, that's clearly going to be an issue for this team. And, it wasn't even just Milano yesterday. I mean, they lost a ton of guys. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see they come back home without a bye. Um, they're huge favorites over the, the the Giants, you know, two touchdown favorites. And so, you know, that's interesting. I'm going to see, A, how they respond to that loss and to the, you know, having to travel overseas. And then also, you know, what they're going to do, you know, um, past that pass rush because it's they've got problems between the secondary and not having Milano uh, from a coverage uh, perspective. I wonder if, uh, you know, they're very deep at safety because they went and signed Taylor Rapp, 
with the idea that Poyer wouldn't be back. And then when they saw the market wasn't, you know, high price for safeties, they brought back Poyer. I wonder if Poyer, who looks like he might be losing a step, maybe steps up as a linebacker and and you get to get Taylor Rapp on the field in place of him. Suma, um, how good are the Jags? Um, are you impressed that they beat the Bills? Um, they look like the better team for most of the game. Um, what's your level of optimism on how good this Jags team is? I'm still very optimistic on that offense. I think um, at least over the first four weeks, it was really um, to be seen that Trevor Lawrence played really, really good, but it was like receiver error, bad fumbles, blocked field goals, like drops in key situations. Calvin Ridley uh, had like two or three crazy drops against the uh, Texans early on. Uh, and they, they they really got into a bad game script against uh, Houston just based on those on on all those errors. Uh, Ridley also had a I think end zone drop against the Chiefs the week before. So I think that early on those were all errors that will itself like clean up over the course of, of the season. I don't expect Kevin Ridley to keep uh, drop dropping crucial. Uh, third downs and touchdowns and whatever. Um, they they also were not very healthy early on. They got Cam Robinson back. He might play through an elbow dislocation, I guess. Zay Jones remains to be seen, but um, I think it was all like crazy, weird, noisy errors that led to them like very underperforming in terms of efficiency. And I think uh, Lawrence has shown that he's uh, completely fine. And uh, going forward, um, I expect them to be pretty good on offense uh, defense pass defense kind of shaky even though we didn't really see that in london i think that their run defense is generally better but i think their pass defense still um lacks some decent pass rush outside of josh allen and um some holes in the secondary you know um the jags are a very good offense uh until they get in the red zone and up until this game, oh, yeah. they were like the second worst at converting red zone appearances into touchdowns. If they can change just that one thing alone, they're going to be a lot better off. Cleve, you you ended up being on the Jags yesterday. Uh, I wanted to ask you, because this was the first time we've ever seen a London team stay an extra week uh, and play two games in a row. And the Bills uh, chose to fly in two days before. But this spot, if it comes up again in the future, which I'm, I'm almost sure certain it will, do we need to start treating it like a real home field advantage, like a, a, a significant one, just off not having to travel to London at all? I mean, simple, simple answer is yes, because you asked me the same question last week on the show. You asked me you know, how I'm going to adjust based on this you know, situation. And I said, you know, I just wasn't sure because it's never happened before. We have nothing to compare it to. And so how do you, you know, what number do you use as from an adjustment? You're just making stuff up out of thin air. And yeah. so I said, you know, maybe I'll adjust a little bit, but I just didn't have a real feel of it yet. And then just a lot, the more I thought about it and just what I did was I ended up being on the Jags was my biggest bet of the week. And it was Jags plus six. When I saw I hit six, it was an automatic buy for me. And then I also took money line. And the way I looked at it was, okay, what if there was no London here, if this is just neutral, neutral field, they're playing in America, they have normal rest, you know, what is this line? And I personally would have made it six. So yeah. I said, well, okay, so we're sitting here. There is no adjustment for this potential uh, that is going to be a huge negative for Buffalo and a huge advantage for Jacksonville, in my opinion. You know, obviously we had the Tredavious White injury too. You had Buffalo coming off a, a big win against Miami. Of all those things, 
even if like none of that, you know, comes to fruition, I still thought it was a fair line, you know, and, but if we're, if, if it was going to be a negative, if it did in fact impact Buffalo and, and, you know, was an advantage to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we've got a huge plus EV opportunity here. And from a kind of a, you know, looking at the kind of the long tail outcome, Jags could win. Jags money line is more valuable than you would get as a six point or five and a half point underdog in any other situation, because we don't have a, a scenario like this uh, typically. So that's what I was banking on was just, I thought the line was pretty fair, even without those factors. And then if there was any sort of condition issues, then, you know, Jags have a huge advantage. And we saw that. I mean, there's nobody who can watch that game. I don't care what you thought about going into the game. Nobody watched that first half thinking that that wasn't an impact. <laughs> I mean, the Bills were extremely, they were, they were absolutely sleepwalking through the first half. Uh, the, the Jags were way more refreshed. So I don't know. You could call it circumstantial evidence, but I think anyone who watched that, you know, w- would say that there was a clear impact. And it just makes sense. You're, you're in your, your body, if you're Jacksonville, you're already adjusted to the time clock. You know, you are used to playing, you know, in that atmosphere, uh, going up against a team that is coming in really late in the week and, and you know, adjusting on the fly. It's just, it has to be an advantage. And so, I think there's definitely going to be an adjustment the next time this this happens. Uh, and it's just a matter of how much. All right. Uh, let's go on to a game, the Bengals and Cardinals. Uh, Joe Burrow got his swagger back. It looked like he uh, threw some deep balls. He had some zip on the ball. He was even scrambling around, which we hadn't seen since the calf injury. Uh, Suma, are you ready to proclaim that Joe Burrow is back? Or are you still waiting a little bit more? I think we kind of have to because there was like not a lot in this game where we would think, okay, he's still only at 80%. I mean, they even used a little bit of under center play action when I remember correctly. And that was something that was just not there early in the season. They had like three snaps from under center in four weeks or something. So just based on the, the evidence that we saw on the field, we probably have to assume that he's somewhat close to 100%. At least we we didn't really see any major limitations yesterday. Cleve, I just want to quickly ask you about their defense as well. Um, we often praise Lou Anarumo and how good this defense has played. I don't think it's looked very good this year. And uh, do you think that's just been a byproduct of the offense can't sustain drives and the defense is tired? Or do you think there's actually some cracks in this defense? Yeah. So for the longest time, I've always been a, I know you've backed the the Bengals a lot. I've been the opposite. I just didn't see the talent on that defense to really believe in them. And he he just coached them up and it was just kind of one of those where there was no real star. I mean, Hendrickson is probably as close to a star as you would get on that defense, but the rest of it was just kind of a bunch of guys and he did a nice job of, you know, connecting them. They never had, they had very few injuries the last couple of years too. So they were, it was a very cohesive unit and they did a really nice job, um, you know, producing a top half of the NFL defense. And, you know, they lose Jesse Bates, who was the kind of quarterback of that, that secondary, they lose some, some, um, a couple corners and that's really affected things. And so they've been kind of an under underwhelming defense and, you know, they, they played better yesterday, but again, Arizona, I, they, they played above their ski. I was on, I was on the Bengals yesterday, which if you know, you know me, if I'm on, if I'm fading the Cardinals, I think it's a really good spot uh, to yeah. do that. I just thought they were, this wasn't a good matchup. And so I, I don't know. I don't think the Bengals are a top 20, 
level defense. Um, you know, I think against bad offenses and bad offensive lines, they can they can do well, but they still gave up what 20 points. It wasn't like it was a complete, you know, dominant uh, performance. But um, you know, I, I would put them in kind of that 20 range. And then real quick on the Burrow thing, just I know you didn't ask me the question, but I can't say I would yeah, I, I just the one of the reasons why I liked Cincinnati yesterday is because you know, they're obviously their issue with, with Burrow being in shotgun a lot and kind of a statue was that the, their offensive, you know, everyone knew that the, the pass was coming and you had, they were facing Miles Garrett in that defensive line. You had uh, the Tennessee line with, with Jeffrey Simmons, et cetera. You had Aaron Donald and company like you, they faced some really tough defenses that can push the pocket, right? Uh, guys that can really get in his face without blitzing, et cetera. And so you just didn't have that with Arizona. So I thought that he would have way, you know, much more time and a, a much more of a clean pocket. I mean, he was only pressured yesterday, 10 out of 51 dropbacks. Um, and so, like, he had plenty of time to, to look back there. And, you know, the car, you know, Jonathan Ben even admitted that they did a really bad job of scheming to take away Jamar Chase without T. Higgins there. I don't know. They should have doubled him more, to be honest. And they just didn't they, – they let the number one guy beat him. It was just a bad game plan all around. It was a bad matchup. I wouldn't declare Burrow back, per se, but I think he's clearly getting more healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think the line reflects it. They're still under a field goal this week against Seattle. So the market's not ready to take that limitation off. All right. You guys uh, both uh, want to talk about uh, the Steelers Ravens. I think we all lost money on the Ravens yesterday. Uh, Suma, let's start with the Ravens. Uh, what happened yesterday? So this is one of those games where I will have a lot of... Uh, nightmares in the in the upcoming days so i mean losing is tough to begin with but losing in that fashion is always a really bitter taste because i mean if you watch that game um ravens were clearly the better team they were lamar was cooking um three touchdown drops two touchdown drops on on back-to-back plays from mark andrews and i think it was rashad bateman um walk-in touchdown drop by nelson aguilar a deep bomb dropped uh, by zay flowers in the fourth quarter where where he beat the defense and and was slipping i think that lama jackson really played close to a perfect game yes the interception in the red zone was very stupid i don't know that <laughs> you have to throw a fade route to Odell beckham in the corner of the end zone uh don't know if you have to do that but uh still he, he was playing some really really good football i think his pff grade of 93.7 points uh, today really reflects that and the ravens somehow just beat themselves i mean steelers had no business being in this game they had a passing success rate of 35 percent. that in includes the last drive which was the the only uh, i think it was the touchdown drive which was the only drive where the steelers were really able uh, to um move the ball other than that i mean i think that game should have been over at like 23 7 ravens or something i mean really some crazy mike tomlin home dog voodoo magic i i don't yeah. know how he does it i think rob had a tweet yesterday saying uh, he doesn't believe that the Steelers are actually practicing out there they, they are just banking on some voodoo magic at heinz field um i mean yeah crazy crazy stuff i mean Lamar Jackson really, I think, played a really, really, really good game, and the the drops really hurt hurt him. I think he lost seven expected points uh, simply on on those drops. Crazy to think about. 
I remember you tweeted out uh, before the game yesterday. Anybody who tells you they're on the Steelers, uh, they can't give you a reason other than historicals or Tomlin uh, is good as a dog yeah. against division opponents. There was no handicap for current state of the rosters. Cleve, uh, the Steelers are dead last in success rate this year. They're fourth last in offensive EPA per play. They're dead last in red zone appearances per game. They get to the red zone 1.4 times per game. The Steelers are three and two. Uh, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> you're, you're asking the wrong guy. I guess I can't, I can't pick them right. I traded them against the, uh, uh, the Raiders, and they, they essentially dominated that game. And then I backed them against Houston thinking that they could, you know, really collapse the, the Houston uh, banged up O-line and they got destroyed. And then I faded them again yesterday. And they, there was, again, like there's not much more that needs to be said. Anyone who watched that game, like there was, it was 10-3 and I couldn't believe that it wasn't like 24-3 because uh, just the wasted opportunities, just all the screw-ups. And then I thought, all right, fine. You know, we finally get a break with that punt fumble. Uh, we're just going to score a touchdown and that's going to do it. Like we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to cover this game and, and get away with it. And <laughs> he throws an interception on third down. It's a horrible fade route. I, I just don't, I just don't know how they keep doing it. Um, and again, I, I, we talked about this before the show. It's one thing if like the Browns game where um, same situation where they couldn't produce any offense, but TJ Watt just dominated TJ Watt and Highsmith just dominated the, the Browns O-line you know, they created turnovers, created pressure. Like, okay, that's that's the Steelers' defense kind of doing it. This was a just a case of Ravens dropping every open pass. And these were, like, big plays. These weren't, like, you know, five-yard outs. We're talking, like, three or four deep passes, two touchdowns, three touchdowns. Like, just incredible amount of drops that you just would never see. And there's nothing that the Steelers did at all. So, you know, that's what's really frustrating. It's not just a, a matter of turnover. I mean, turnovers are one thing. It's if they're created by the defense. And created by pressure, these are just these are wide open guys that just drop balls and it has nothing to do with anything Pittsburgh related. So the only thing it could be uh, the only way you can just you know explain it is voodoo magic from Tomlin. There's nothing else about that uh, that that game that you can explain. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what that. Maybe I'm just going to lay off all Pittsburgh games either way for the next uh, next month. Give myself a break because 0 and three in those games, but like I'm hitting 65 percent thinking everything else. So uh Steelers are my my kryptonite all right all right let's let's look forward and analyze some market moves and injuries some weeks there are less injuries than others it felt like this week there was actually some impactful injuries uh to monitor let's start off with Ravens and Titans who are going to be playing in London um the Ravens are getting relatively healthy but now they have you know ronnie stanley's back but now they have the other tackle issue morgan moses didn't play patrick mccarty gets hurt in the game uh the titans are dealing with uh Traylon burke's injury he still hasn't played and we still wait to see if nicholas petit frere will return uh suma are you surprised by this line on a neutral and um or, or do you think it's fair right now I, I'm not surprised. Um, this smells like a classic uh, three, three and a half back and forth. People who like the Titans will happily take the three and a half and Ravens betters will try to get a minus three. This at least um, seems to be that way right now. I'm not already surprised. Um, Titans are still not a bad team. They still have some voodoo on their side with, with Mike Brable. So... Um, yeah, I think that um, three, three and a half kind of range was 
uh, at least on my part to be expected. Uh, they got torched on the ground. We hadn't seen that in a while. Uh, Zach Moss yep. broke off a couple of big runs. Uh, Cleve, do you think the Ravens will be able to utilize some of that as well? Yeah, I don't know. Even their run game looked a little bit off. I mean, Justice Hill actually had some some good runs, and then until, until he fumbled, um, so he, he was a little bit um, you know squirmy in there. But uh, they just don't have the same dominant one offense that they they had in the past. And Lamar looks a little hesitant to run. Uh, again, I know he signed that big contract, and so maybe he just he's trying to be a pot more of a pocket guy. But it just felt like he didn't take off and just was a little bit you know, um, a little bit hesitant uh, running out of, out of the pocket more than usual. And they didn't do many design runs that I can remember uh, yesterday either. In terms of the line, I mean, I, I, I have three and a half, so I think it's perfectly right, right on the number. Uh, the Titans are extremely, they just have no explosiveness. I mean, Traylon Burks is really the only guy who could get deep and he's out. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play this week or not, but, um, you know, they are clearly missing that deep threat. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins felt like was being targeted on every throw yesterday. And that's, I mean, rightfully so. There's nobody else that, that can do anything. So when you're so one-dimensional and you're just, you know, kind of pounding it with, with Henry and, you know, the Spears does give them a little bit of, uh, of explosiveness, you know, out of the backfield. Maybe they can utilize him more in the pass game. But I don't know. This is kind of a – I think this number feels right. And I think that, um, you know, both defenses should, should be okay here. So – um, you know, I, I don't think there's really much either way from, from my perspective on, on this game. All right, Suma, let's go to Vikings Bears. The, obviously, the injury we're watching is Dustin Jefferson, who's still getting MRIs on his hamstring, and we still need to learn more. The Bears lose a couple running backs uh, during the game last week with Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert. But, you know, maybe their secondary gets healthy. Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson remain to be seen. Kyler Gordon is technically eligible. Uh, I always ask who, which receiver is worth more, the most to the spread to his team, and whether it's Tyree Kill or Justin Jefferson. Well, the markets um, are, are looking to fade Minnesota here. Um, the line is at three, but it looks like it could be heading under the number. Uh, it probably would have been closer to three and a half, four with him there. Uh, how 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 important is Justin Jefferson to this Minnesota offense, or are the Bears so banged up? You you think? they'll still be able to move the ball well. Uh, yes and yes. Uh, problem is that it's looking to be some real ugly weather there in the Chicago area. That's why the under took a lot of money, a lot of money on, on Monday morning. Um, so I checked the weather report and it looks like overnight there's going to be like 20 to 25 miles per hour of wind and rain. I did not get the forecast in my app uh, uh, all of a sudden for Sunday. Maybe someone can check on that real quick. Uh, but yeah, I think the move to the under is weather related. And then on the on the same wave, I think the spread will be correlated because the Bears would have an advantage with their run game with Justin Fields if this turns into a game where you would rob the Vikings of their passing attack. Um, if, if if both teams have to primarily run the ball, I think the Bears should have some some uh, form of an um, um, advantage here. But if the weather is fine, I mean, Vikings should still something going, uh, get something going through the air. I think even without Jefferson against that Bears defense, they should be able to move the ball. But I think we have to wait and see on the weather reports. 
Yeah, it looks like all the East Coast games potentially are going to have rain and winds. Uh, Jets, Buffalo, Cleveland, Chicago, um, all the East Coast games, uh, Ohio, Cincinnati. Those are the ones to watch. Uh, Cleve, are you optimistic that Chicago has righted the ship offensively? Um, I, I talked to Rob about uh, during last week's game on Thursday that, you know, against a good defense, maybe Chicago's offense wouldn't look good. But when they play bad defenses, it, it really allows Justin Fields you know, to move around and, and create throwing lanes. Uh, is this Vikings defense uh, a good matchup for Justin Fields? Um, is it a good matchup? They've actually been better than, than I thought they would be. Um, they're kind of middle. They're, you know, like 20th in, in the EPA. But if you look at their schedule, I mean, look at look at who they face. They face the Chargers, um, the Chiefs, you know, the Eagles. Like, they've had some really tough um, tough games that they've had or tough opponents. And so I give them credit for at least kind of hanging in there. Uh, you know, they held down Tampa. I mean, Tampa only scored, what, like 20 points. I think Carolina only scored, you know, they didn't even score a touchdown. just two field goals. So against the bad offenses, they've done a pretty decent job. So, you know, I'll, I'll give them credit for, from that regard. You know, CJ or uh, Justin Fields is, you know, he's uh, he's okay against the blitz, I guess. You know, nothing, you know, he's not great at kind of reading the field and getting 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 the ball out quick. And so that's obviously what you're going to need against the Brian Flores heavy blitz scheme. And so, you know, I have to, I actually didn't check the the numbers. I didn't watch enough of the game to have an idea. But I was curious how often he was going to blitz Patrick Mahomes yesterday, because you know, obviously Mahomes is the last guy you want to blitz a lot. And I had a feeling he would, you know, dial it back. So I don't know if anybody has those numbers, but I'd be curious how he how he performed. And I think, you know, this week it's going to be the opposite. No matter what, he's going to he's going to just, you know, blitz the house against Fields. And I'm not sure I'm ready to declare Fields and this offense back. I mean, two weeks ago against the worst defense we've ever seen, you know, he had a good game. And then, you know, I I was on the Bears on Thursday night. That was just a unique spot with with the the, the Commanders coming off of a, a an overtime game on a short week we knew that their legs would be really wobbly and they just didn't seem, you know, into it at all. So that was a little bit of a, you know, an outlier performance. I think this line is interesting because if you, if it's sitting at three, I mean, two weeks ago, we had Denver three and a half close in Chicago. I mean, even without Justin Jefferson, I think you know, Minnesota is a better team than, than Denver. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, some of that has to be the weather. Kirk Cousins outdoors and in bad weather is probably not the ideal situation to back Minnesota. So I think that's part of it, but you know, it's just interesting to compare the two and how much respect that Chicago's getting now. So I, I don't know. I think that uh, there's reasons to look at both sides, but you know, if it was a, it was a perfect weather day, I, I think Minnesota would be the clear. I don't know if, if Chicago would be taking all this money, but you know, obviously that weather is a big deal here, and having a, a run heavy scheme with Justin Fields is, is more advantageous than uh, having Kirk Cousins. All right, let's look at uh, a game that had some movement this morning. Uh, Colts and Jaguars. Looks like Anthony Richardson is going to be out perhaps for a month. Uh, they also had, you know, their left tackle Bernard Raymond still was concussed and didn't play. Um, Shaq Leonard, uh, often injured, missed the game. So did Quiddy Pay. I, I actually want to ask you, Suma, before we discuss the, the, the specific line, this, this is the second time Anthony Richardson didn't finish a game. He's already missed one out of five games. I know it's a small sample size, but uh, like this isn't promising for his play style. Uh, is he going to have to, you know, start watching Lamar film on how to avoid taking hits? Because if he keeps thinking he's going to bulldoze everybody, he might not last the season. 
Yeah, something like that. I mean, psychologically, I think it has to be an issue at some point because when he comes back, he had the concussion, he had the uh, grade three AC joint sprain or whatever. I mean, at some point, it got to matter uh, psychologically and you might be playing a little, bit of, a, bit, a little bit differently. Maybe they can protect him a little bit better scheme-wise. I don't think that uh, would be the case, but I think he just has to to learn to uh, protect his body. Um, I mean, Tuatago Valoa is uh, doing some um, curses over the summer of how to uh, roll um, when he gets sacked, and maybe that's some stuff that uh, AR-15 can also use. But yeah, in general, I think at some point um, you gotta work out how it's uh, how it's mentally bothering you because that concussion and that AC um, AC joint sprain will be in your head when he when he comes back on the field. Uh, you know, Jags are not without their injuries. Uh, Devin Lloyd still hasn't played, uh, didn't play last week. They also lost uh, guard Walker Little and Zay Jones in the game. Cleve, we talked about how great the spot was for Jacksonville uh, staying in London for the extra week against the Bills. Well, they've got a body clock that's adjusted to London time now for two weeks. Are, is this a negative advantage coming back and having to get back into the swing of things? Um, are we going to see the, the downside of two weeks in a row at London play out this week? Yeah, we're about to find out. And I think the line reflects that. And I was, you know, texting some buddies, you know, during the Jags game because we we're all on Jacksonville. And and someone said, well, wow, they're, they're going to be in London for two weeks and they don't have a bye next week. That's crazy. And I said, well, let's hope Jags win, Colts lose, and we can get Colts plus seven because I, I would bang the Colts at that point. And then, of course, you know, Jags win and the Colts win, and it opened four and a half. And I was like, oh my God. So it's clearly priced in. Like, I don't think you would get this, wouldn't be, this was five, this was five and a half in week one in, in Indy. Um, obviously, things have changed, uh, you know, Indy's power rated up, but, but still, it's kind of interesting to see that dichotomy. And I think it's clear that this number would have been under, you know, maybe six normally, but now that the, that factor is, is in here, it's probably down, you know, a point, point and a half. Because of it, and so rightfully so. Um, again, I don't know how you quantify it, and the fact that historically teams, you know, we saw Atlanta uh, yesterday. Teams off a of buy, or sorry, without a buy, off of London are essentially. I think they're six and five against the spread now. Like it's kind of fifty fifty, but I think some of the you know the market is is pricing this in, mm. you know, already yeah. to do it back to back weeks. I think is 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 even more interesting because you know, hey, you're just probably happy to be back, and you know, guys who have families are like, yeah. oh, I'm glad to be back after two weeks. Just and then it's the body clock adjusting back to to U.S. time. I mean, I'm sure it's fine because you've got a full week to prepare. You're not flying back on Friday, right? Like the Bills flying into London, so you're not having to adjust. It might take a couple of days, but you're going to get adjusted eventually. So. I don't know. It's one of those that we just don't have an answer for, but I think it's clearly already reflected in the marketplace because four and a half is telling me that um, you know someone believes that it matters, and so it's just a you know just a point a point of how much, right? But it, it clearly I think is is already priced in. It, it also, also I think that yeah. What were you saying, Suma? So yeah, I, I want to say that. Uh, Minshew and that uh, Steichen offense also looks decent when he's on the field. Like the run game was working, like without the the dual threat uh, against a very good Titans run defense. They they were moving the ball through the air at Houston against Tennessee. Ravens was a stinky weather game, but they were still somehow fine there. 
So I think market probably uh, reacting to this is a decent or a very decently coached uh, Colts team against a Jaguars team that is hurting a little bit and still is going through some growing pains offensively. By the way, yeah. this is big for my. Sorry, sorry not to interrupt, George. I have to pat myself on the back here uh, when I can. No, this is my my Colts for my uh, surprise team in the AFC, and I have a lot of uh, Colts to win the AFC South tickets. So, um, and Shane Steichen, and Shane Steichen Coach of the Year tickets. So, this is a big one for for that regard. If they can get this this victory here, um, I'm feeling good, especially with Gardner Minshew. I mean, th that was another part of the handicap was even if Anthony Richardson wasn't ready to play or or something happened to him, Gardner Minshew is as good as it gets from a backup perspective. I was perfectly fine, you know, having him there. So that, that's why they got him. It was a great signing. And that's, that's you know, I think that's something that, uh, you know, uh, coaches are going to have to do here going, or teams are going to have to do going forward is finding uh, finding a good backup to pair with a running quarterback, a young running quarterback, because it's just injuries are going to happen with these guys. I mean, look at the Bears. They don't have one. They don't have anybody behind Justin Fields. So, you know, he's, um, it, it'll be good. You know, I'm glad that they got Minshew because I think it's clearly needed. Yeah, there, there's that dynamic of if the starter goes down, where do we go with the line? Uh, Damien says Minshew best backup in the league. Um, right? You don't you don't yeah. knock them down too far. I know if you backed Carolina uh, yesterday, you were hoping that we saw some Andy Dalton because he probably is an improvement to the point spread. Let's talk about uh, Seahawks and Bengals, and we talked about. Uh, Joe Burrow uh, may be turning the corner, but T. Higgins has the rib injury. That's something we're watching for. The last time we saw the Seahawks, Jamal Adams got concussed. Uh, Charles Cross has still not played yet. They lost the guard, Phil Haynes. They still were missing corners, Kobe Bryant, Trey Brown. Um, where do you see this line going? Like, are, are is, is, is it going to hold under two and a half? Or do you think at some point if we hear T. Higgins is in, we're probably going to get some over money and Cincy money? Suma? If if I had to bet right now, I would probably guess that we rather see a, a, a flat three than a two, two, or, or, two or one and a half. Um, yeah, Seattle, big names will be Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, both starting tackles. Um, I think they also had some issues at guard before their bye week. Um, secondary, they were also without Kobe Bryant. Rick Ruin was back. Jamal Adams didn't finish the game at New York. So I think Seahawks have a chance. Draymond Jones was also banked up. I think they have a chance to enter this game extremely healthy or like the healthiest they've been all season. Uh, T. Higgins... What bothers me is that they are going to have a bye week after that. So, uh, correct ribs, very tough to play through. So, there might be the thought process, let's get him into the bye and he will be close to 100% after the bye. So, remains to be seen. He had a limited practice on Friday, I guess. But I think for a wide receiver who really has to extend his body right into a arriving tackle, that, that uh, that's very tough to play one week after a broken rib. Um, but we will see. Uh, those are the, the kind of injuries. Um, yeah, and then we talked about it. It depends on how the market is pricing the health status or the limitations of Joe right now. Yeah, Cleve, any thoughts on this game early line? I think uh, Chidobi Awuzie is a big, uh, getting him back would be big for Cincinnati against his wide receiving core. You know, the, the Cam Taylor Britt is not, you know, he and DJ Turner are, you know, 
DJ Turner's a rookie. Cam Taylor Britt is that. I would you need against you know Metcalf and Lockett. You definitely need a woozy back. So I think that's a big injury to take a look at. And obviously the Higgins, you're going to have to score uh, with Seattle. Uh, so I think having as many weapons as possible. They're not going to, and they've got Tariq Woolen to at least shadow um, Jamar Chase. So you've got a corner unlike Arizona doesn't have any you know top level corners um, to at least you know put someone legitimate on him. So and the way the Weatherspoon played last week, I mean that. You know, you can kind of, you maybe not have to shadow. You can just kind of have one on each side and be okay. You know, I'm interested to see how Weatherspoon continues after that that game. And that was an awesome game he had, awesome performance. Awesome. I wonder, you know, if he if he's a legit lockdown, you know, top level type corner. I mean, pairing him with Woolen that that changes everything for Seattle, I think, because they yeah. they just didn't they didn't have those reinforcements back there. You know, to have both of those guys there, I think, would just be gigantic. And would really change things, um, you know, in terms of uh, kind of playoff prospects. Uh, so, because you could do so many different things, you, you could kind of keep those guys on an island and, you know, blitz more and do other things to really help the rest of your defense. So, I'm interested to see how that happens, you know, what happens with that going forward. But I think Abouzier is the, the key here. I, I think that this this is going to ping pong back and forth, three to two and a half. I, I think there's reasons um, to back both sides. There's going to be plenty of people who are skeptical about the Burrow kind of comeback. And then plenty of people are going to say, no, he's back. <laughs> and, and you're getting the, the Bengals, good Bengals team under a field goal at home. And so, you know, you can kind of get both sides of the coin. So uh, I think it'll be interesting, um, you know, kind of how that all plays out. But it, it'll definitely be uh, kind of within these two numbers. All right, let's talk 49ers-Browns. Um, this game, the total has been crashing. And I think part of that is the weather. But part of that is the, I guess, surprising news that Deshaun Watson – uh, wasn't throwing today. Um, Cleve, you're the, you're the guy out of Cleveland. Were you surprised to see the report today that Watson uh, isn't uh, 100% ready to go? Or, or do you think this is just precaution um, entering this week? You would have thought after a full week off that, and especially after he thought he was going to play last Sunday, that he would be fine and ready to go. But yeah, it was you know a little bit drizzling in the morning, and so the, the team was practicing outside, and he ended up practicing inside. I don't know if that was weather-related or – what I mean, P- reporters are not allowed inside, so they don't know what happened in there. He could have had a regular throwing session, was just kind of keeping away from the media. We just don't know. It sounded like Stefanski was he wouldn't he wouldn't be quoted as saying optimistic to play this week. And I think he got a lot of heat in the organization did last week for kind of hyping up that he could, you know, they think mm-hmm. he was gonna play and then he didn't end up playing. So I think they're trying to be very cautious from a just a reporting standpoint. So I don't know. I mean, it's a little worrisome. It's a shoulder. It's not like it's an ankle, right? This is this is uh, this is everything to a quarterback. And so you know, and it's his throwing shoulder. It's not his his opposite shoulder, not like Baker Mayfield had a few years ago. So I would be concerned, especially when it's going to be. It's not even just that. I mean, San Francisco rightfully took money. The under rightfully took money. It's not just the shoulder. It's it's a you got this hot Niners defense. Um, that's playing really well. It's you got a major mismatch with Bosa versus uh, Jedrick Wills at the left side. It's the yeah. fact that it's supposed yeah. to be 50 degrees and windy and raining. And we've already seen Deshaun Watson is as affected as you know any quarterback as there is in bad weather. He's never played well in bad weather. He hasn't done so, you know, uh, off the, you know, the wind off the lake. Uh, Cleveland, you know, in the opener, if you got the same kind of weather as we did in that Cincinnati game, he couldn't complete a pass for the first half. So all those things are kind of reasons why this number continues to rise. I don't know. I mean, I don't see any way that it, it drops below four. I think it's kind of in that four to six range here until we figure out for sure 
what's going to happen with Watson, but it's going to, it's definitely going to be in this range. I mean, if Watson's out, this thing gets over a touchdown for sure. Um, but even if he plays, I think it's, I think it settles in that four, four and a half range. All right. Uh, Suma, I think Deshaun Watson figured out around the third quarter of last night's game that his shoulder still hurts. Um, the 49ers are relatively healthy, but they did lose Aaron Banks, who had been playing well at guard. And we often talk about, you know, Shanahan's scheme can work around limitations on the O-line. But this is a damn good D-line that the Niners are going to play against. Is there, a, is there a version of this game where uh, the Browns could really bring the heat defensively and, and get this into a knockout, dragout fight? I think they have the bodies to do so, but I'm not sure they will have the coverage ability over 60 minutes to to really um, let Brock Purdy hold the ball, uh, contain the run game, and like everything together. The, the, the Niners can beat you on so many levels. I mean, what was the, the, the most fascinating aspect about last night's game, in my opinion, is that usually when you try to um, double block uh, a, a good pass rusher, like the Niners did with Mika Parsons, you do it with a tight end chip, you do it with a double team where the where a sixth offensive lineman stays in or a tight, tight end stays in, but usually you will suffer a route in the route distribution. And the Niners used Kai Juszczyk on a lot of these cut blocks against um, Mika Parsons, and it didn't really matter. Like, guys were running right open down the field. You could easily, like, uh, sacrifice your fullback uh, to block the opposing's best pass rusher. They will likely um, find some wrinkles to do that with, with Miles Garrett. And, um, yes, the, the, the Browns defense is extremely loaded up front, but... I'm not sure they will be able to contain this this juggernaut for 60 minutes. Um, and I mean, if they if it's really going to be a, a rainy and windy game, uh, a game where Deshaun Watson might not be uh, perform to his u- usual standard, and they have to, uh, to run the ball, I think it it might really favor the 49ers. Um, to to win win in the trenches and get their run game going, but remains to be seen whether it's going to be Watson or the rookie. The rookie looked completely yeah lost, lost against the Ravens. Yeah. All right, Zuma. I was uh, dumb enough to bet on the Panthers uh, this past weekend. I thought, you know, I love uh, Brian Johnson, but I said, you know, no Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, I don't know that this Detroit offense uh, is dynamic enough. What I forgot was the Panthers' defense is not good this year, and they're they're getting torched on the ground. The Bucks' defense, however, has been good. If Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't go for Detroit because he's dealing with some sort of ab or, or, or uh, hernia, we don't know exactly what it is. Um, do you see Detroit's offense having success against this Bucks' defense? In some form or shape, yes, but I think it might be a tough game. I mean, it's a different game um, from playing against the Packers without Jair Alexander. Now now the Panthers uh, defense that ranked, I think, last in rush DVOA coming into the game. I think on the road against the top Todd Bowles defense that's also getting healthier. Um, I think Jamal Dean and uh, Ryan Neal were practicing today. I think it's going to be a, a much tougher game for Detroit. We will see how they are going to handle this without um, ASB. Um, yeah, and 
on the other side, I think Baker Mayfield and that Bucks offense, we got our weight on Mike Evans. He was practicing individually um, to the side today. But Lions lost Emmanuel mostly in his first game back. Uh, also, already without John Cigana Johnson, Brian Branch was out uh, yesterday. That didn't really matter against Bryce Young, but it might matter a little bit more against Baker Mayfield in that offense. So, injury situation might be favoring the, the Bucks in this one. Cleve, you had two surprise picks uh, in your preview this year. One was the Colts. We've already talked about their success. The other was the Bucks, and they're playing well. Uh, they're also coming off a bye. Uh, I trust your instincts on this. Do you think the Bucks uh, are a good matchup against this Detroit Lions team? Um, it's an interesting matchup. I don't know if it's good or bad. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that you can at least get an extra week just to help scheme for for Ben Johnson's offense, you know, can't hurt uh, of all guys. Um, but, you know, he's so creative that he comes up with plays, you know, from a week-to-week basis. So, you know, I'm not sure that uh, that's going to matter all that much. I, I think it's an interesting game. I think it's going to be a competitive game. You know, looks like that the the Lions are taking money. It's three and, you know, you're, you're laying some juice here. So may get the three and a half, which will be interesting um, if that's the case. But, you know, I'm still not a total believer in this Lions defense. They're playing better. It's just that with all these injuries now, I mean, if Branch doesn't play and without Mosley, like, you know, there are ways to attack them um, outside. And obviously we know that um, the Lions or the uh, the Bucks do have, have the receivers out there. And so, you know, if everybody is healthy and ready to go, I think that, um, you know, I think Tampa can score on them. I think, you know, the total could be interesting here from a, uh, you know, from a, um, uh, you know, from a numbers standpoint, but, you know, I think it's gonna be a good game. I mean, Tampa's defense is solid. They're, they're just like a solid team. Like they're, um, Baker Mayfield really struggles when he's getting harassed. And so, you know, if, if Detroit doesn't bring pressure, I mean, he can make plays. And so you can keep them in the game. And, you know, Jared Goff was good. He, he's, he hasn't been great this season. Um, he was good yesterday, but in general, like he hasn't, he hasn't been all like that, that um, spectacular like he was last year. So, I mean, I think there's ways to beat this team. I think it's going to be interesting. Todd Bowles is a good DC. So, you know, he'll, he'll find uh, – he'll scheme ways. I should look because I, I haven't looked it, but I wonder how Todd Bowles does after a bye. From a defensive standpoint, I'm not against the spread or anything, but just how he – you know, is he, these DCs that get extra time to prepare, I think do a really nice job typically. So, you know, that could be the you know advantage here for, for Tampa. And, you know, you get these teams that depending on how hot it is in Tampa too – um, you know, it could be one of those things that uh, a team that plays in the dome finally has to go outside and it's, you know, kind of hot weather. Uh, I don't know. I haven't even checked what the temperature is, but that could that could be a factor, too. So these little advantages that maybe Tampa gets playing at home and coming off a bye could, could you know, give them a shot to win this game. Yeah. Um, let's talk Eagles-Jets. Um, Jets were dealing with some injuries in their secondary. DJ Reed didn't play. Brandon Eccles didn't play. Then Elijah Vera Tucker, their best offensive lineman, got hurt, which things could get ugly in a hurry. Um, Cleve, you liked Philadelphia against the Bucks. You liked Philadelphia against the Rams. Are you three for three here? Or do you like Philadelphia? Yeah, so um, full disclosure, my only bet so far has been the Eagles minus six. I, I pounced on that six. I just don't think it would – it's going to close seven, in my opinion. So I was uh, willing to to back back Philly here. I don't. I haven't looked in the last hour um, where it's sitting. I'm guessing it's six and a half or seven. but um yeah i think uh, i think it's a horrible matchup for the jets 
you know, Zach Wilson was fine, I guess, yesterday. But, again, playing the worst defense in the NFL and you're just fine, that doesn't really tell me much. Brees Hall was awesome. Um, Brees Hall does Brees Hall things where he breaks off 70 yarders, on, you know, uh, almost every week. But he's going up against an Eagles defense, run defense. It's top five in the NFL. So, from that perspective, you know, where, where, where you get the Jets is you can stop the run, you know, so stop their only real legitimate offense. And you attack uh, Zach Wilson in the pocket, and that offensive line was already bad, and they lose their you know best lineman, Barrett Tucker, Dwayne Brown, who was their other tackle. Um, he's he's out too, so I don't know who's going to play um, right and left tackle. I guess Becton's going to. I saw Becton got hurt too. I don't know if he was, it was just a minor thing, but you got major issues going up against that Eagles front four. I mean, my God, Zach Wilson's going to be in for for it, and yeah, the the Jets defense is solid, but when your offense is going to score 10 to 14 points and all you got to do is get to 20 to really cover this game. I think, you know, I think that uh, the Eagles will be fine. And the Broncos actually ran all over that Jets defense. There are, there are some holes there and, you know, they had DJ Reed who was hurt that Brandon Eccles, they were down to their, their, you know, essentially their fourth and fifth corner. So I think you can attack this team. I think that, that if, uh, you know, the Jets got the win, but it wasn't really impressive to me. And, um, you know, back to reality here, it went, you know, the fact that Kansas City closed over a touchdown and you get Philly under a touchdown in New York, not sure I totally understand that. I don't think the differences between Philly and KC are that that big, uh, especially to cut through the key number of seven. So I, I jumped on the six. I think it closed at seven. We'll see. Suma, can you make a case for your Jets? Um, are they going to need the help of the weather gods uh, against Philadelphia this week? How to make a case? Um, I mean... Just that matchup with the line of scrimmage, uh, Jalen Carter is a, is a monster. And um, <coughs> sorry, um, Jets, like um, TA has said, they need to run the ball and then they need Zach Wilson to not screw up. And it will be tough to run on that Eagles front. So um, maybe the Jets will call Mike Tomlin and get some of that voodoo magic. <laughs> All right, let's preview Monday Night Football. Uh, Green Bay Packers at the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Suma, I was um, I was excited to see the full Green Bay offense for the first time this year, and then we get the report this morning that Aaron Jones uh, might not go. Um, Devontae Adams is also, you know, he's going to play even though he didn't practice two days and then he was limited in the last day. Uh, Suma, what are you looking forward to in this game? How do you think the story of this game will play out? I don't have a strong read on this game. I think what the Raiders want to do offensively is they want to run the ball and then try to distribute the ball to Jacoby Myers and uh, Davante Adams. And I think if you can one of one on one defense, uh, it's probably be it's probably the Packers defense. They rank 29th in EPA per rush. Uh, they are giving up a close to 43.3% uh, success rate on the ground. Uh, J.U. Alexander, I think he's still questionable. I have not seen anything. In okay. Yeah. okay, he should play. But still, I think that uh, the Raiders, if it's... Uh, if there's a week, they will cross 20 points for the first time. It It might be against the Packers defense um, on the other side. Raiders defense, like outside of Max Crosby, who can like disrupt any given play, there's not much to like about the defense map. 
So um, Elton Jenkins is back. Oland is a little bit healthier. Aaron Jones would be nice to have him in from a Packers point of view. Christian Watson was on a snap count against Detroit. I, I would expect a, a much larger snap share from this week. I think there is something to, to gain against that um, Raiders defense. But yeah, long long story. I, I don't have a strong read on, on either side, I think. It could be a game where the last possession wins, um, but I would not be surprised if we saw some sort of a better or improved Raiders performance offensively where they can run the ball and get something going against the Packers defense. Cleve, uh, there's going to be some growing pressure in the comments about who you like for a first touchdown score. Before I ask you that, um, I remember messaging you and, and oftentimes the lines don't confuse me. And I was a little perplexed by how this line moved. Uh, Green Bay was as high as two, two and a half. And then it's been Raiders money shoving ever since it reminded me of the Steelers line that flipped from Pittsburgh favorite to Las Vegas, damn near three by a kickoff. Um, Cleve is did the line movement confuse you. Uh, and do you have any angles on tonight's game? No, I mean, I think the line move was purely a Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, question whether he's going to play. Once it's, it, I think it was Saturday, they said he was going to play. It, it kind of jumped. So I think it's it's purely that. And honestly, going from, you know, minus two, plus two, kind of in between, it's not not really that meaningful, you wouldn't think, although you never know. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of the value doesn't change all that much. I actually do like, well, I like the Packers this morning when, I thought Aaron Jones is going to play. All accounts, it sounded like he was going to play. Um, that that hurt, but I I think I like. Uh, but I, I'm on that anyway already. I do like the the Raiders team total under 23 and a half a bit more. Um, and I just first of all, you've got you've got evidence that this Raiders deep or this Raiders offense just isn't doesn't matter who they face. I mean, the the Packers defense is below average without Jared Alexander. With Alexander, I mean, they're you know call it league average to be fair. Like they could only put up what 17 against the Broncos, the worst defense in the NFL. You could put up 18 against the Steelers defense, it's very beatable. Um, they you know they didn't do anything against Buffalo. Obviously, last week against the Chargers was Aaron O'Connell, but they just really haven't impressed me all that much. And the fact that Devontae Adams got a bum shoulder, I mean, he didn't practice at all. They said he's gonna play, even though he hasn't practiced. If this was any other team than the Packers, I think he sits. Um, he's gonna, but so like the guy's not gonna go lift his arm up, at, even if it's just a couple of plays that that make the difference on third down, like that's huge. So, uh, that I think all those things are really important. Um, in looking at this under, and look, I'm not this is not something that um, you know, I'm rooting for, but I had a theory that these quarterbacks after concussions have, have struggled, it's just something that I recall. So, I did some research this morning. And since 2021, there have been eight quarterbacks coming off of a concussion. So they miss a game um, or if it's, it's the week of a concussion. Um, and one in seven against the spread with a minus 10 against the spread margin per game. They lost, you know, three of them lost by double digits. The team totals went under in six of those eight games. And if you look at some of the success rates, negative EPA, 45% success rate, um, all of the quarterbacks except for one, I think it was Stafford last year against the Saints. Uh, generated an EPA that was below their baseline average for the season. So they've all essentially underperformed except for Stafford for whatever it's worth. And so I, I just, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to to think that there is some negative effects after a concussion, whether it's just psychological, just not wanting to take hits 
or if it's just, you know, they're still a little bit foggy at times. Like there's something that goes on there. Maybe that's the, the teams are more conservative and they run the ball more. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, just the, the, there's a difference on, on the week back. So I think all of that kind of, for me, uh, and these are two slow teams. I mean, Green Bay's bottom five in pace, neutral game pace. Uh, even the Raiders are below average. You know, the uh, uh, Raiders opponents actually run the ball uh, over expected at one of the top five highest rates because that's how Patrick Graham's defense is. It's kind of allows you to run and keeps everything underneath. So I think that the, the Packers are going to want to kind of take what's given to them, especially with a young quarterback on the road. So all those things, it's slower game. Uh, I, I think that the the, the Adams injury, the, the concu- post-concussion stuff, and the fact that Alexander's back kind of leads me to, I think, under 23 and a half is a good number. You don't have anything for the people who are tuning in for the 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 the, the wizard of of uh, first down touchdown. Do you have anything for the the people, or will you have something later on if they if they check you on Twitter? Yeah, check me out. I haven't even looked. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. So uh, usually these things come to me by midday. I uh, do my extensive research for these these darts that I have no control over. So just uh, stay tuned. I guess. I mean, there's. There's no way. I, I'm I'm already banking on the fact I'm not going to hit another one the rest of the season. So I mean, three at twenty to one or higher in the last uh, month. I don't think that's possible. So we'll see. But just I guess tune tune uh, back uh, later this afternoon, and I'll I'll send something out. Guys, uh, thank you for your time. I went an entire show without mentioning the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to wait till we're five and one next week to really get uh insufferable and ignorant uh thanks so much for doing this we'll be back again tomorrow at two o'clock with myself and sharp clark to break down some film recap this monday nighter and give you the first thursday night preview you don't want to miss it so please subscribe hit the notifications bell and, and please like it before you go if you watch the whole show just hit the like button and then you can close your browser window we'll appreciate it that's it for me thanks to suma thanks to cleave ta thanks to producer jason and thanks to you the audience until next time